Welcome to the Seeds of Wisdom series, brought to you by From a Loving Place with author Rachel Wolf. If you like deep, meaningful conversations, this is your place. So settle in and enjoy today's guest. Disclaimer, the Seeds of Wisdom digs into some deep subject matter. In order to plant a seed, we have to dig in the dirt. That's how we grow. If any of the subject matter feels like too much, it is important to seek your own mental health support. I did, and it's why I'm able to be here doing this today. Hello and welcome to episode 21. Today, I'm so excited to have with me my special guest, Kim Colgrove, and we are going to be talking about her seed, which is so powerful after I just finished reading her book, which is turning a mess into a message. And it just sings to my whole heart. So I'm going to let her introduce herself so that we can dive right into this really meaningful topic. Thank you. I'm looking forward to this conversation. I'm Kim Colgrove. I'm the author of Mindfulness for Warriors and the owner of Pause First Academy. And we offer in-person and online resilience and wellness training to first responders at Pause First Academy. So that's kind of my mini bio. So she was gracious enough to send me a copy of her book and I read it in one sitting. Really? Yes. Well, after I had started it for a few pages into it at a doctor's office and set, decided it wasn't the proper place, to, yeah. I wanted to give it full focus and my full attention and not worry about what people were thinking around me as I'm reading this because it's so moving and touching. Thank you. That, I mean, you are the epitome of turning a mess into a message. And so let's talk, start with what that means to you. What, what does that mean? What that means to me is that instead of me allowing what was a devastating event in my life, I didn't want that to define me in that sad, heavy, tragic way that, you know, those kind of incidents can, um, of course, this wasn't conscious in the beginning. In the, in the beginning, I was just trying to survive it. But what happened was I, something caused me to kind of step outside of my own grief and my own story and started thinking about other people who had done work similar to my husband. So he was a police officer for eight years and then a federal agent, an investigator for the last 22 years of his career. So law enforcement for 30 years. And um, definitely those first eight years in a patrol car, I feel like did a lot of damage to him mentally and emotionally, carried a lot of um, unresolved trauma around that. And so uh, after he died by suicide, I just did the business for a while. I just did the things that had to be had to be done. But then at some point, something kind of instigated me or inspired me to think about all the people who had worked that call, you know, somebody called 911. There was a dispatcher that answered the call that had to hear about that call. There were officers that were dispatched to the scene that had to work the scene. There was an officer that came to my front door that had to give me the death notification. So 
that was what started to transform me from someone suffering and grieving and kind of marinating and all of that to somebody who could take that energy, that grief, that energy, and kind of transform it and figure out how to help or what I could do for other people. Because I started to make that connection with the people that were involved in, in that call that happened in my life. And I thought, oh my gosh, my husband has done so much of this. He was a crime scene investigator. You know, he worked suicide calls. He knocked on people's doors to give death notifications. I mean, he had done all of this in his career. And um, so I'm really grateful that it took some time, but I'm really grateful that that occurred to me and that I got on that path because I do think I kind of harnessed some of that negative energy, some of that grief and heaviness. I think I kind of hard, uh, harnessed it and then just poured it into what can I do to contribute and, and maybe prevent a few people from having to go through what my family just went through. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in the book, you talk about how something like this permeates. It's not just the person involved. Yeah. The ripple effect. Yeah. The ripple effect. And, and I just, it just hit me so hard because I was hospitalized at 17 for attempting suicide. And it wasn't until I saw a mother in there who had, found her daughter in the closet. That was what woke me up. It wasn't the psychiatrist. It wasn't the therapist. It wasn't the other people. What woke me up and got me to never attempt it again was that mother was like seeing her blame herself for her daughter when, yeah. And, and, you know, it's because the ripple effects are so much bigger than anybody who is feeling suicidal thoughts can even imagine. For sure. When, yeah. when they're in that mental and emotional state, they're, they're not rationalizing or, or reasoning. They, I, I, from my experience of talking to people now over the years who have attempted, but were not successful, there's a common thread that is something like i I very much felt like everyone and everything would be better off without me in that moment, yes. you know, in that moment. And so, you know, it, those of us who haven't experienced that, you really can't know what that feels like. So um, I've heard people uh, use the word coward about people who had attempted suicide or, or completed suicide. And I think, boy, that is, I don't think your grandma ever taught you to stand in someone else's shoes because- that's extremely judgmental and you're judging something you can't possibly understand. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you don't, you don't, you think you're making everybody's life better. I mean, I, when I read the line in the book, it was the exact thought that had gone through my mind at that time is that yeah. I would make people's lives better if I wasn't here. It's a really common thought. Mm -hmm. um, it's the reason why we need to put, we, we got to start placing more, emphasis on the conversation around mental health and, and suicide specifically, because it's a word that people are afraid to utter. Yes. You know, they, because it's like, if you talk about it, or if you say it, it's going to cause it, or it brings it about, or, you know, something like that. So we have to flip that script yeah. and, um, and talk about it. And that, I mean, we, I, and the, the trainers that I work with, we, we do that, we, you know, we don't want to trigger anybody or, or, um, 
you know, or upset anybody, but not talking about it is killing people. Not talking about it is, is creating this silent suffering that's epidemic, especially across um, military and veterans and um, first responder professions. So yeah, it's, it's a huge topic and a difficult one to talk about and to teach about and to write about for sure. But because of the state of our society, it's something we have to face and talk about. Well, and I love that you're doing it. I love that you found this voice within you beckoning you to this, you know, to, to this cause, because, you know, the PTSD and, and the nervous systems, there's ways that, that can help calm that, that you have, you know, you've shared in the book, you've shared through stories of other first responders that work. They work. Yes, they work. And (laughs) so the disconnect, you wonder why, you know, the people who have the most stress and encounter the most trauma in their life, why do they not have these tools and skills? They were never taught these tools and skills. It's it's outside of their skill set. And so um, that's what I feel like I and my team were disruptors. You know, we're coming into these professions that was traditionally just suck it up, buttercup. I mean, there was no context for uh, how do I protect and heal my mental and emotional health? Um, and so th- that's what we're we're bringing. We're flipping the script on that as well. Like you better start feeling your feelings. And I'm sorry you didn't learn this, you know, in the police academy or wherever you had your your professional training. But we're bringing it to you now uh, because you, you you need to learn that you have the ability to settle and calm your own nervous system. And, you know, these are smart people that we're talking to. They, once we explain it to them and um, demonstrate it for them, they're, they get it intellectually. But then the next step is doing it. You have to embody it. You have to learn how to do it. And then you have to, to do it. And, and that takes some, some time and some practice, but yeah, that that's basically exactly what you said is what we're trying to explain to people is that you have the power to regulate your own nervous system to calm and quiet your your biology um, and, and to balance your body chemistry and all that and I focus on meditation and mindfulness those are my the tools and skills that I love we have another trainer that focuses on yoga um, all of us teach breathing exercises but it's a it's like a whole person thing we're not just teaching meditation and mindfulness first we're making them aware of how stressed and traumatized they are because you know if they're like a fish in water like yes. It's just so normal to them. They've, they've had this career that's just full of stress and trauma. And they, so they are in survival mode. They don't even know they're in survival mode. So first we have to educate them about that. And then they go, oh yeah, I do feel like that. And then, and then we go, well, here, so here are some tools. Like we don't want to just be the bearer of bad news that you're marinating in stress hormones all the time, but you know, here are some tools and with, you know, mindfulness, just, just being one of the tools. Well, and, and I love that message because one of, first of all, a lot of people have feel we're taught to feel disempowered by our emotions when it's actually the opposite. They empower us when, when we can take responsibility and accountability for what happens within our bodies, we're empowered because then we can do something about it. It's right. Everything out there, or if it's somebody else's fault, we can't do anything about that. So it's just a part of the job that's out there. That's, that's 
sweeping it under the rug. Yeah. <laughs> not yeah, healthy. That's it. that's it. That's it. But they don't know. They don't know what they don't know. And, and yeah. no one ever gave them any coping mechanisms or any tools. And so the best way to survive it is to learn how to stuff the pain and stuff the trauma and stuff the stress and compartmentalize it. Um, and, you know, that, that, that works for a while. Like you can do that for about five years or so. And then, then they start to get the inevitable burnout and, you know, and all the symptoms from carrying around that much stress and trauma. And so, you know, what we're trying to teach and, and help people understand is that you cannot control the external environment. You can't control the emergency. You can't control the person, the people, you can't control the disaster that you can't control any of that but you can learn to manage your own internal landscape. And that's empowering when you learn about self self-regulation yep. and that you can develop skills and tools and develop the ability. And, and like, maybe not when it hits the fan, maybe not when you're right in the middle of it, you, when you're in the middle of it, you go into warrior mode, you are in survival mode and you, you do the things, but you can train yourself and that once you're out of the emergency or once you're out of the crisis, your brain and body will want to keep you in it because you're, the, the brain chemicals that have been released and the body chemistry that's elevate, elevated, but that you can develop skills and tools to start to bring that down. And by simply coaching yourself, I'm not in the crisis anymore. I'm, I'm not in the, I'm not in the heat of it anymore. I'm safe. And, you know, that's, that's part of why we like teaching meditation and mindfulness. You're absolutely right. The external, and if, if you wait for the external environment to allow you to be calm and peaceful, then good luck. Yeah, I know. Well, it goes so much further than first responders. It's like, we have to understand that if first responders learn this technique and have this technique within them, they can help abuse victims better. It's, it's so, they can it's, help it, it talk about another ripple effect. Once yeah, we're, we yes. can get there, you know, it helps other people get there. We're seeing this with uh, police officers, uh, paramedics, social workers, other mental health professionals, you know, that this, these are all professions that encounter, it's called vicarious trauma. Vicarious trauma is prolonged long-term exposure to the trauma of others. And we're finding this across all these professions that when people learn that self-regulation piece and they start to apply the tools, the breathing, you know, and getting themselves um, under control. I don't like to use that word control with this demographic because it's, yeah. it means something different than what I mean. I mean, like manage or regulate. Yeah. You're absolutely right. It positively impacts the situation, the scene, the interaction with coworkers, the interaction with their, whoever their clients are, whether it's a, you know, a citizen or whatever. Yeah, you're right. So how has this turning your mess into this message helped you in your life? Mm, I think it definitely helped me heal the grief. And there's a lot of, um, a lot of other emotions that come along with grief that I definitely could see I might've gotten stuck in. There's anger and sadness and victimization and just all the things. Um, so that definitely helped me heal all of that. Of course, this is in hindsight, 
you know, as I look, as I look back when I was stepping into this realm, I didn't consciously go, Oh, let me turn this mess into a message and see if I can help other people. It was just, I can't sit back and not do anything now, knowing what I know, um, and knowing how badly it can end. So it definitely, um, helped me heal my grief. Uh, it allowed me to channel that energy into something positive for other people. And now flash forward, it's helped me create this entire business that I would have never even imagined um, that is employing the very people that I want to help. So I'm encountering people who are either close to retirement or retired and they're all people who have done their own work. So they're, they've worked on their own wellness. They've built up some resilience and they've, you know, done some teaching in their own professions, but now this gives them a way to step out of the profession, law enforcement or corrections or whatever it was, and to reach their hand back, you know, and teach the people who are still in the professions. And that, that's super rewarding for me. That makes me feel really, really, really good. Um, so it's, it helped me heal. It helped me create a business that's really beneficial to a lot of people. And, um, I never wanted to be like a poster child or a spokesperson for suicide. I didn't want to get stuck there or trapped there because it's really hard for me to talk about. I feel like it's way above my pay grade to really talk about it much other than my own personal experience. So instead of getting, instead of that being my track, which I'm not saying that's a bad track, that's a perfect track for some people, but that wasn't going to be a track that worked for me. So instead of just kind of being in that suicide prevention or suicide education world, um, I get to be in the um, my, like more preventative. Nice. So education and information. So it's more preventative and that that's a, that's a good fit for me. So you know, now here we are all these years flash forward. Um, and I, I feel like I probably feel better about the entire situation because when I feel down or low or sad, or I miss my husband, I uh, wish things could have been differently. Then I can pivot and say, well, at least I'm doing this. At least I'm, I'm doing this. And I, I couldn't help him and I can't change that, but maybe I can help some other people. So it's definitely a win-win. Yeah. It's, a, it's a win for me, for sure. Well, and I so relate to that because I had the same kind of experience with my trauma is people would ask me to write a book on narcissism or, you know, and, and that's not where my focus is. There's people who do it wonderfully. And, yeah. but beyond my experience, <laughs> that's, it's the same thing. It's like, that's just a part of the it actually helped me to find myself. That's what I want to focus on. Yeah. Like so how... yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's the same, those same thoughts. And, and I love that everybody could have different paths through these things and we need them all. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. I mean, not everybody has to go out and write a book or create a business around, but if there's, if you are suffering, if you have pain or grief or, um, you know, those heavy emotions created by life experiences, I mean, we all do, uh, you know, it's not for everybody, but finding a way to work with other people or help someone else or volunteer or educate or inform, or just, um, give your skills, your, your abilities, your energy, 
um, you know, this sounds so big, but I'm just going to say like to make the world a better place <laughs> and to make someone's, even one other person's life a little better. It can be so healing, yes. you know, to the individual. Um, and it prevents you from wallowing in it and staying stuck in it and staying, you know, um, be, um, being labeled or identified by that pain, by that hurt, by that mistake, by that loss, by whatever it is. Yeah. And, you know, and you get to pick how you want to focus on it. I mean, you know, we do need people to write books on nar narcissism. We all yeah, need exactly. to learn, you know, a lot of us have been impacted negatively mm -hmm. by narcissists and we didn't know, right. Fish and water. We're just in it. And, and we didn't know, or, or some of us have had narcissistic tendencies and, you know, and, and we didn't know. So we do need people to write it, but you don't, just because you've been impacted by it in your life or experience, it doesn't mean that you have to, if you, yes. you want to step away from narcissism, the topic and go work on healing, teaching people, whatever it is. I mean, that's, that's the whole thing. And I'm glad that I was strong enough right up front to realize I don't, I don't, because a lot of people approached me. Yeah. about talking to survivor groups and, and a lot focused on, um, on suicide. And I identified really early on, I can't, I don't want to do that. I need to yeah. leave that to, to people who, you know, have a strength, have a, the power, the strength to do that. Yeah. Cause it does, it takes, it's like an inner calling. You were, you had that inner calling to do this work. I had the inner calling to do the work I do. And, and we all get these different inner callings and people are called to do these things. And I love that when we just allow ourselves to be where we feel called, it, it, it is the power of turning the mess into the mess. Man, it really is. And you know, so a lot of people get frustrated because they don't know what their calling is. They don't know what their purpose is. And I understand that. I don't think, I don't know that everybody has like one specific calling mm -hmm. or one specific purpose. Before I did this work, I was teaching meditation and mindfulness in corporate settings. And I felt like that was my calling. You know, I felt like mm -hmm. that. And it was for a while, for a time it was because I was bringing this kind of new age, new edgy, you know, new concept, but I was bringing like the science and the research behind it into these stressful environments. And that felt like a calling. And then my calling changed, my purpose changed, but underlying this entire conversation about a calling and purpose, I'll just, if I can just give it a plug, meditation and mindfulness and learning about those skills and tools and learning to sit with the self and listen and, and, you know, it can help you uncover what, what your purpose is or what your callings are, you know, what you feel really aligned to do in this world, um, turning off the noise and learning to sit in silence with self. That's to me, that's the best way to figure out what those inner callings are. Oh, and so with that, we're going to wrap up the initial segment. And if you are not watching on YouTube and want to see us go deeper into this topic beyond the seed, tune into YouTube because I'm already getting chills just knowing <laughs> about this I love conversation. It. So thank you so much, Kim, for being with us for this segment. And like I said, if you're not listening on YouTube, please go there because I know this is going to be a very Come on over helpful. there. Come on over there. I can tell this conversation <laughs> is going to be good. <laughs> Make sure to follow the links that accompany this episode. You will learn a lot more about today's guest and see what they have going on now. You will also get all the links to follow them on their journeys if this seed resonates with you.
come back next week for another Seed of Wisdom. If you loved what you saw or listened to, don't forget to subscribe to the channel.